Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Straight Talk Radio, where we discuss business, politics, and culture. This is Donia Keating. I'm your host. I'm coming to you live from the Seattle area. It's about 1 p.m. Pacific time. It's Wednesday, October 18th. Listeners, you can dial 602-753-1970. CJ will patch you in for live on-air questions or comments. Raise your hand by pressing 1 on your keypad. That lets us know you're ready to speak. And then there's also a chat option for private questions uh, and anything that will also make its way here. So um, just a little thing about the chat. It's moderated, so you may not see it unless it's made public. Um, and you may not see your question appear immediately if it's already on our agenda for discussion. So sometimes we get questions like, why didn't you ask my question, uh, whatever. And that's one of the reasons why. So, All right. We interviewed all candidates for City Council on Bainbridge Island, and it was from late July to late August. We've been following their websites. We've gone to a few in-person forums uh, and also watched some of them online when they were filmed. We've uh, been looking at a lot of social media posts, and so now we're going to provide our assessments of each one. I had said, you know, months ago when I was uh, talking with a couple other people on, on the show, I said that I might give endorsements, but I don't know if I'm going to be doing that, um, whether it's an endorsement on behalf of the show or even personally, I don't know. I mean, maybe as the show proceeds, I'll change my mind. But in any case, um, the ballots are showing up. It's time to vote. So you decide. And hopefully, um, obviously, our message all along is you'll do that as an informed voter who's done their own homework. So just our thoughts as we're moving along. Now, obviously, you're welcome to call in live with your own thoughts. Strong opinions are fine. I can stand toe-to-toe with pretty much anybody, in fact, anybody. But if you equate that with a behaving like an Irish on this show, we're just not going to have it. Sorry. Uh, you know, we just don't have time for it. So let me go and see who's here. I think that uh, Charles is going to be a guest with us today, which is always, always fun to go back and forth with him. Hi, Charles. Hey there. Charles hey. is here. Charles is here. So do you want to say anything about yourself before we get started, or do you want to just jump right in? Just jump right in. All right. Sounds good. I don't have any preference regarding uh, what order we go in uh, in terms of talking about the, the wards, but I did want to talk about some lead-off questions that we had used to spark discussion, and some of these ended up becoming part of our copy for the show. They prompted the show, but we've also had people you know, write since that time, which kind of validates the, the thought process that we were having. Um, and mostly about how to assess the best candidates and criteria. So, you know, some of the themes that came up is, you know, how do you assess them? Does it really depend upon how long you've lived here? You know, how valuable is it to talk about the clubs or initiatives you've been a part of? And how do you kind of assess that? Um, what role should candidates play when they're speaking for themselves versus their supporters? Is there a balance? I mean, obviously, you know, when you talk about a lot of campaigns that are out there, especially the larger ones, you are certainly not talking with the candidate, him or, him or herself, but, you know, you are dealing with their supporters and so at, or their staff. So at what point, you know, do you really need to hear from the candidate? And then, of course, you know, the conversation about endorsements always comes up, you know, which ones are kind of impressive, which ones are to be expected, you know, how much weight should you give them? And then 
also um, when we're looking at candidates, I mean, do you balance you know the idea of having uh, fresh and new ideas with having the status quo and continuity and, and where some of that stuff um, lines up? So do you want to have any comments about any of that, Charles, or do you want to just pick a ward and let's go? Well, just very briefly, I think the thing – well, obviously, it helps that if you like the candidate, and I think that's always going to be an influence uh, for, I think, anybody, I mean, as human beings. But I think what we're really looking for, especially on Bainbridge Island right now, is looking at particular policies and getting a sense of how people think, because I think part of the problem has been, you know, we're we're a very smart place, we're a very educated place, and yet it seems on a lot of issues, sometimes the leadership gets out of step with what the population wants. And I think that's created a lot of uh, kind of dissonance in the community. So I'm hoping that with these new candidates coming in, that there's going to be an idea that we can reset. So that's that's the overall of what I wanted to offer. Well, I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, obviously, you know, you're talking about especially when you're talking about partisanship and the larger national races or whatever. I mean, you and even some of the state races, you get – you know, a lot of people that are predisposed to a certain ideology or they like a person or whatever. And I'm kind of Vulcan-like in the sense that I don't care how much I like you. If I don't think that you're uh, up there with what it takes to lead, then I will tell you. And I will tell you what I think you, you need to do to get better. Um, and if I don't like you, I mean, and you have the qualities um, of leadership or you have a lot of the uh, you know, the, the, the bullet points, so to speak, I can still support a person like that. I'm really strange that way. So when I see people get into their entrenched positions based upon who they like and whatever, I think it's very odd, especially when I see the shortcomings of that particular candidate or individual and, and, and wonder why they don't just call them out. So um, what word do you want to start with? Um, north, central, south, I guess. Yeah, let's make it so easy. Way, start with north. For me, north ward, let's talk about Kevin Farrelly. Uh, you know, obviously an intelligent man. He's an engineer. That you know, that's the type of thing that kind of moves in my favor as a Vulcan and a person that's a problem solver and kind of technical at the same time. You know, really good left brain, right brain stuff. But um, he hasn't really been prolific on social media. Uh, I don't think he has a Facebook page, as far as we can tell. Um, he does have a website. He has shown up at some of the forums. And he has responded to some of the questions in the local papers, which some candidates have not. Um, but I think that given the complaints about not hearing enough from current city council members that, you know, not being as prolific or being out there to answer questions and engage with people, uh, especially in social media or whatever, it's not something that really reflects well on him unless he plans on improving his interaction somehow if he gets elected. Um I think the other thing that struck me about him, uh, I, I liked his honesty. I mean, obviously, that's helpful, but honesty doesn't overcome certain things. Like, for instance, he had an attitude that, you know, we have this community here that we want to preserve, and he doesn't want anybody else here. It's what's characterized often as the NIMBY attitude. Um, and he had very adamant opinions about what he'll support or not um, in the, you know, along those lines. Now, in terms of my own value set here, I obviously think that people move here to the island for various, you know, they want to stay in this community. It's gorgeous. It's 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 clean. It's green. You know, it's spread out. It's it's pretty much the same size as Manhattan Island, but, you know, with a lot less people. And I think that's highly appealing. Um, but I also think that there's sort of a, a disingenuous, disingenuous attitude, I think, sometimes about that. Like, I'm here now. I've got my piece of land. I've got my whatever. And now I don't want anybody else uh, to come here and have it. And I'm thinking about the um, the League of Women Voters Forum in particular that I found amusing um, 
where they were talking about, you know, mini mansions or McMansions and how the character of the island's being lost or whatever. And I was so tempted to stand up and say, okay, everybody here on the dais, why don't you tell us what size your house is and what type of air, you know, acreage that you have so that we can hear about all the 5,000 square foot and 4,000 and 3,000 square foot homes that some of these people are living in. So it, it, it kind of gets like for me a little bit disingenuous. Um, anyway, back to Kevin. Uh, he's against island power, and he said that that's what mobilized him. And uh, he did say he supports the police station, but he agrees that costs are too high. So he's not willing to rule everything out, but he does agree that, you know, things need to be financially uh, copacetic. And then he also said that what I found interesting when we were talking about affordable housing, he said that the city should work with nonprofit groups to convert surplus and donated properties into housing at little cost to the taxpayer. Okay, whatever is going on back there, out there, stop. I don't know if it's CJ or Charles, but there's like a lot of movement there, and I can't. This is kind of disruptive. Um, but anyway, um, I, my point about that is that, you know, it sounds good, but it's just, you know, it goes back to the whole affordable housing discussion that I've been hearing from all of the candidates where it's always a, a hot-button issue and people want to talk about it. But I, I'm of the sentiment that few of them really understand or even have ideas about how to really improve the situation. Uh, and we tend to, as a community, talk about wanting to deal with that issue, and yet our demographics suggest otherwise. So what would you like to say about uh, Kevin, I guess, from the North Ward? Well, a couple things. I think uh, in regards to NIMBY, um, I kind of get this whole feeling that more than one candidate wants to preserve Bainbridge Island, and, and it comes out in language like that. But the reality is, unless you're going to write laws to prevent anybody from building, which you can't because you'd be sued, um, that's not going to happen. It's really about moderating development. I think it's just a way, kind of like a proxy for saying, I, I want to make it more difficult to build and easier. And I don't know to what degree those attitudes change once they get in city council and realize their only real lever is the comprehensive plan. So there's something there. The second thing is with, with Kevin, I like the way he thinks like an engineer. And, yes, he has not been very present as, as far as I can tell in the social media, like when on Bainbridge Islanders and things like that. So uh, communication-wise, um, he's he's not uh, not as present as you'd like. Maybe he doesn't want to waste his time on the social media. You go to the in-person forum and you hear him, and he's very articulate and kind of gets to the point. I like that he looks for solutions, like if we're doing core 40, can we bury the power lines while we're done? I mean, we want those kind of efficiencies and optimizations to happen. So from, from that perspective, that's one of the things I really like about Kevin. And, yeah, he got activated by the island power issue. I would say that was one of the things that brought my brought my attention to a lot of city council matters because it was a huge project, a large expense, and something that I don't think the city really needed to start pursuing. And I saw lots of flaws in the way it was being pr promoted. So. Uh, I, I kind of concurred with Kevin. You know, this was something that I think we, you know, got our attention and said, look, we got to get the city back on track to solutions that are in alignment with what people need. So I wanted to share that with Kevin. Yeah, and I remembered some comments that he made about transportation. I, I think that it's it's great to think innovatively, and I think it's great to, to suggest all types of ideas. Um, that we should have to alleviate our transportation issues, but he took it a step further to understand where those transportation backups were coming from 
um, and some of the, the uh, commuting off island and so forth, and some of the ways through traffic engineering, obviously, to, to start trying to uh, reduce that. I mean, obviously, people want Core 40 and bikes and more sidewalks and things that are going to take a little time, but something like traffic engineering is is uh, relatively quick, so um, or, or reasonably it's quick, I should say. Yeah. yeah, and that's and he gets, he gets that. very he well. It. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What do you think so about that, Joe? Yeah. Um, I really like Joe. Um, in fact, I saw him just the other day, and he asked a great question about uh, kind of taking more, you know, having PSC take a more leadership role uh, on trying to do you know, more renewables or a higher percentage of renewables. And uh, I think that's actually not a bad idea. I think, you know, we should be able to try to take a leadership position I see Joe is very, um, you know, he's got experience in building projects and he's done a lot of partnerships. And I think those are key skills as well. So um, I like that Joe thinks about doing partnerships and trying to work within policy and trying to steer policy because you start with policies before you start acting. You don't just start acting and saying, oh, I hate X, so let me just, you know, try to knock it down. If that's against policy that's already out there or existing laws, you're just inviting lawsuits. So I like the way that he thinks in terms of policy and, uh, you know, appreciate some of the thoughts he brings to the table. Um, on the other hand, uh, sometimes he doesn't get in front of issues the way I would like. So like back when, you know, we were considering the island power uh, and it was up for a vote, he didn't come out against it at that point in time. And, uh, you know, in my opinion, I think he was kind of like, it almost felt like he was trying to, you know, placate island power at the same time he's placating people who are against the issue. And I don't, you know, that might not be so good. So I want to – I don't know if I'm reading that fairly, but, you know, I saw that when, you know, he didn't speak out against it. He said something about, you know, I'm, I'm for whatever works kind of thing. I don't even remember exactly how it came out, but it really didn't mean anything at the time. And then later on, he went with the majority, and then when he was on our podcast, he said, you know, hey, uh, we should be more proactive. And he has since said, you know, we got to really think about why we're pushing something and say no before we start jumping ahead and saying yes. So that's one of the things I do like about Joe is he's he's willing to, you know, say no. I'd like to see him step in front of things a little more over time, and maybe he'll grow into that role, you know, on council. And uh, looking forward to that as well. I would say that it's valid to say that there's a, um, you know, it, it makes sense to decide when you're looking at social media in particular and this community. Um, specifically and, and in general, it makes sense to determine where it makes sense to jump in and where it's going to benefit you versus where it's just going to consume your time. And so I don't know to what extent that was why he said what he said with respect to the island power issue, but I would agree with you that he seems very cagey at times on that, very noncommittal, trying to you know walk straight between the two sides and, and be noncommittal at a time when he really needs to speak up. And I was thinking about the example of when someone on, on Facebook was kind of taking him to task, and he was very clear about the fact that that he had not advocated for or against island power and that he agreed with the city council decision back in July or June or whatever it was to table the the, uh, issue. And then the person wasn't really taking that for an answer, and he came back and said, wait a minute, you know, you can say that, and that sounds good, but, you know, I saw you throughout this process huddling with certain interest groups despite not advocating for or against island power and just saying that you agree with city council's vote to table. I mean, these two actions or, or behavioral patterns in and of themselves don't say much about what you actually believe in or will do. So I think it was good to try to push him back on that. And so, um, you know, that's been very helpful in trying to get Joe to get clearer about where he stands on things. But 
I also agree with you. I've worked with him on, on you know, Akita's um, Clean Tech Committee and on um, Repower and other things. And he's a very smart, dedicated, uh, you know, very bright uh, financial and and business and sort of other a lot of other assets there. And he's worked in the community on solar issues as well. And when we started thinking about you know what the next stage of this looks like after um, Puget Sound Energy, um, and what type of negotiations we would have with them, and so forth. I was actually thinking about somebody like him in terms of getting past all the rhetoric and looking at some real net gain renewable energy type projects, being the solar and other things. And he actually has stepped up and and, and taken action. He wasn't just somebody who was talking the talk; he was walking it as well. So um, that's kind of the way I see Joe um, in terms of, of his leadership, potential leadership on city council. Anything else you want to add about either one of those? And then if not, we'll move on to central. Well, the one thing I would say, though, is city council didn't just table the discussion of island power. They said we're discontinuing it. And that was because they realized there was such significant opposition. So it's not something they see as being resurrected in a year or two years. And I noticed that that same language is all what's been tabled as far as, you know, Island Power supporters think. It's like this is not something that should really come up for consideration. We need to move on and engage and create solutions. And, again, like you said, with, with Joe, he's created some solar solutions, and I am also interested in seeing what we can do to bring together solutions and rather, you know, start to chew over projects that I don't think make sense. So that's what I would share. And between the two of them, I think either one of them would make a great uh, representative for the Northward. Well, I don't agree with you about that table language. I mean, I remember being in that room and they said at this time and on this council. So I, I think that it's it's possible, given some of the things that might occur or not occur with trying to work with PSC, that it's something that can come back. I mean, not necessarily the same thing. I mean, there, obviously it's not something that was financially feasible, but there are other ideas that might be similar that might re- resurrect. So I, I see them as tabling it because they had no community support for it. Obviously, if you want to extrapolate out, they're probably not going to have it ever um, for the next few councils at least. But my point is that I think that the tabling was just kind of their way out of it in that current sitting council based upon its, you know, political will. So Central Ward, um, (laughs) who do we do first, Wayne or do we do Wayne and Michelle? Let's start. Let's do let, let's let's for Sham. I, I, like, I like getting names right because mine gets mucked up so much. So um, Central War, let's start with Wayne. What are your thoughts about okay. Wayne? Well, um, Wayne's, Wayne has uh, experience on the council and uh, is very articulate and very thoughtful and also represents Bainbridge Island on a number of other organizational boards. Um, so he brings a lot to the table in his background with public radio so impressive credentials, somebody who obviously thinks about the issues, looks at both sides. Um, he brings a lot to the table in that respect. And again, uh, as he said, you know, without he, he doesn't he doesn't get into attacking opponents, and, and that's one of the good things I, I like. He uh, speaks more about what the positives and what the opportunities are, and seems to generally enjoy being on council. And quite frankly, that's that's a good public service. Um, sometimes one of the things I don't like is he doesn't necessarily take a stand sometimes. He lets things kind of ride a little bit. And I think with the public power thing, he was willing to kind of go along and investigate and and to some degree still sees value in continuing that conversation. So I think sometimes that means his consideration process means things kind of drag out when it would be better sometimes for things to be disposed of and alternatives considered. 
if that makes sense. Kind of like an analysis paralysis thing. Yeah, but not completely. But I mean, yeah, I mean, he 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 does the analysis maybe a bit longer than I would prefer for myself. You know, I, I look at some things and I say, look, this isn't going to pencil out. We have other priorities, especially when it comes to finances for the city. And I think um, he investigates things seeing value. And you know what? A lot of things do have value. But overall, if the big picture is we're signing up for a lot of spending projects um, and it's going to indebt the city quite a bit with bonds, you know, there's going to be a point in time when there's somebody says at a super level, yes, these are a lot of very interesting projects and they have pros and cons, but where's the threshold? Where do you stop the consideration of some of these things that aren't really targeted towards the whole island but are you know, more interest groups. So we spend $3 million on the pedestrian bridge. Should we continue that? Or do we need to kind of invest our money in core 40 and other things that are going to bring more value? And I would like to see a little bit more of that kind of executive, let's make a decision and let's stop considering this so that we can invest in, in plan B um, from, from Wayne. That's something I would love to see a little more of. What I liked about Wayne, uh, is that he seems to be very uh, much a proponent of due diligence, which certainly resonates with me. Um, and he also uh, works to preserve organizational and promote organizational memory. Uh, and, and the STO and the trees example, you know, that was just that was just a prime example of understanding what the prior city council had voted on, making it his business to understand that, um, and then communicating that regarding the, the history of how the situation came to be. And for me, you know, my work in advise, you know, I advise public and private and nonprofit leaders all the time. I, it really is important to be prepared in order to be a high functioning board or leadership team. So that's very important for me to, to know that somebody like him is thinking about, you know, what did we do as a past council? What are the decisions that we made? Um, how did we get to that point? And, and what do we do now that we're going forward and understanding that? Because I think that it is true that a lot of the feedback that we get in the community, it's very reactive, and people kind of tune in where it's convenient to them, and they certainly don't exercise in due diligence or the, invest the time or energy to go backwards and see where that, how that moved forward. And even if it was something that was advertised or made public, they didn't check in at that point. So now they want to kind of revisit and go back and start the process all over again and have them re-justify it. And I don't think that that's, you know, that's not necessarily an efficient way of, of, of governing. So I appreciate the fact that he... Uh, it, you know, really focuses on that, and that's something that he's, he finds very important. And it's about leadership as well. I mean, the fact that it, it's very telling that we haven't had many council members serve beyond a term or even two lately. I think it's a toxic community, or it can be. Uh, there's a lot of work involved with being a city council member. Uh, it's a volunteer or near-volunteer position and can be very thankless. And so, like you said, the fact that he's actually still very excited about it, that he really has enjoyed the process, and that he's willing to do more of it is, is, is you know, a very much a positive. Uh, it was interesting to <laughs> observe him on... It, it's yeah. say, it's kind of hard when you look at that and people say, oh, my God, these people are coming at you. It says, but sometimes I realize there's a few council sessions where people are coming out of the woodwork to argue about something. But there's probably many, many, many other council sessions where there's maybe a couple people in the room and they're just doing the work of the city and, and there's no hot button issue up. And it's, that's when you realize that, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of work involved with city council and not all of it is these big issues. Lots of it's the very mundane stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, last night is a perfect example of it. It was a study session, and we had to be there because of the BCAT stuff. We were getting like a community, you know, communications day, you know, proclamation or something that was being done with BCAT and I'm the chair of that advisory committee. So we had to show up, and I mean, there were there weren't even a dozen people in the audience, and yet they had to all be there and come from work. And you saw them getting off the ferries with their backpacks or coming from wherever and and sitting there for a few hours to do the work that they were elected to do. So yeah, um, the other thing noticed about Wayne um, in, in observing his, his uh, candidacy and his, you know, just his service on the city council is that on the podcast, he was all out and very little in. I mean, he just kind of rolled with the conversation and didn't pause much to get to get feedback or to get any kind of give and take. And I think that that's, you know, comes from him having a lot to say, but you also have to be able to not just talk but listen. So that was something that I observed from him. And I think also uh, that sometimes I think he's tone deaf about uh, citizens and how they feel about the results from city council, though I would I would qualify that by saying that I understand his frustration when people show up with a snapshot and they try to micromanage backwards. Um, at the very least, uh, you know, it should show that city council can do a better job of communicating. I mean, we know that, but I also have to say that as, our, as citizens, we have our own part in the democratic process. We have to be informed. So, you know, there's a whole ball of, uh, of, of wax in there in terms of observing some of the, the, you know, he'll push back and say, we're actually doing a great job, or, you know, our bond rate is you know triple a minus whatever and that's relevant but i think you also have to be able to hear from the community so anyway um he supports STO, I think, and also the pedestrian bridge, and he said that he wanted to get more information on that before kind of ruling it out. He got a lot of pushback from the community on it, but it goes back to what you said, and you know, that balance between making sure you have the right information in order to make a decision, which is a positive, and dragging something on too long, irrespective of the, the fact that it may be unpopular with the community. You have to balance those interests. Um, so the due diligence comes back into play again. It makes sense, but it also has to be weighed. And I also think that you should shouldn't be afraid to reverse course just because something was voted on and a private uh, prior council or even the same council, you know, once new data is presented. So there has to be some type of flexibility in the leadership there, um, which I, I think that he tends to be more conservative, not in the sense of ideology. I don't know where he stands on that, but I mean an approach. He's willing to sit back and let things play out um, with a longer timeline than maybe sometimes he should. So any other thoughts about him before we go to Rashan? Well, let's let's talk about Rasham, and then let's do like we did with the other candidates and talk about them together. Uh, for me, I mean, I, I guess I'll jump in with her. I think she's gotten better over time. Uh, I, I heard through the grapevine that she thought I was harder on her in the part in the podcast, which I I would I found surprising because. I mean, I was just trying to get her to answer the questions more directly. I mean, I work in the leadership and management consulting field. I understand the risk we have of getting to Arthur Anderson-ish, and you have to fill it and get to the meat. So I didn't think that that was being hard on her, but it, I, I thought that was a very interesting feedback. Um, in any case, I found her to be very intelligent. I think she's genuine. I think she's someone who makes wants to make a difference. Uh, I think that she thinks innovatively and sustainably, and she wants to change a lot of things in our community. I think those are um, admirable qualities. I think she's a fresh voice. I think she's a young voice, which I'm not trying to be ageist here. Um, I think that there is some, some balance between having people that are young that have kids in the, the district versus people that may be entrenched and, and kind of think a certain way and it's kind of status quo, but I don't think that those are necessarily specific to age. Um, 
and she may not be someone who's necessarily been here for decades or kissed the ring of the establishment or whatever, but I'm a nonconformist. So I think that whoever has the best ideas and who has the best skill set and who can get the job done, you know, that person wins. I don't know if that's her, but I'm just speaking philosophically about some of the, the lines in the sand that I've seen drawn in this community about, you know, age and how long you've lived here and, and whether or not you've you've been part of the, the establishment or whatever. Um I've seen some of the copy out there about voting for somebody because they're female or of color on the uh, the council. I, I'm I'm definitely just the opposite of that. I demand to be given the opportunity to compete and excel on my own merits. I understand that there should be more women on the city council, but that should be based upon them standing up to run and actually being able to fulfill those roles and not kind of skating in because of their gender or their or their color. I mean, I'm just saying that. But I also, you know. It's been interesting to see her get asked about her credentials when no other candidate was, um, and to even have the ones that she presented questioned when she did. No, is that a forgery? I mean, many of us have been in that position, and uh, you know, given that whole bit about me on the show back when I did Matt Tierman about being a nigger and you know being misrepresented by a community troll who also tried to marginalize not only the show but my career achievements. You have to consider that stuff and consider the source and understand where it's coming from. It's it's bigotry. Uh, oh, yeah. And just keep moving forward and refuse to let it st- – and you, you can't let it stop you. So I guess what I'm getting at with that spiel, and I'll, I'll pause to let you get some input here before I continue, but I commend her for being able to step up into the fire and continue forward in the face of all that stuff because it's a different level of resilience um, that people like us have to um, develop, and it's definitely a quality you want in a leader. Yes, yes. I, I kind of seen some uh, ability where she's pushing back at some of that stuff, and that's good because it, it really, it's really disconcerting to get those kinds of questions and just, just kind of that, you know, that attitude of, well, oh, you're young, so you must, you know, bring nothing, you know, to the equation here, and uh, let, let's let's question your credentials, but then let's not question the credentials of any of the guys in the room. And it's just kind of like that that subtle let's put you into a different box and treat you differently that just is kind of grating because then you realize how, uh, you know, sexism and racism are still alive and well here on Bainbridge. And uh, you, you see people playing to that uh, uh, more even in the social media. But, you know, when you get those kinds of questions, you see it and it's like, wow. So I, I have found her to be very articulate and um, I, I see where she tends to stand on the issues. She was also somebody who was very much, you know, like, Hey, we do not need to spend the money on the municipal power thing. That was something that also activated her. I think there are other things and issues. Um, you know, she wants to see more sustainable. She wants to, you know, she seems much more um, likely to kind of weigh the citizen input and kind of get, get the input on things as opposed to, well, you know, I, I've seen this kind of attitude sometimes from council that obviously they get a lot of people. Some people are not well-informed. But some people are well-informed, and they kind of get thrown into the bucket of the public. And I think they need to be able to discriminate between people who are well-informed and have something they should consider and people who are maybe not as well-informed and just, you know, take it, take the take the infant as it is. And I, I don't want to see it all discounted because it's like, oh, you guys aren't paying attention. It's like, well, no, we are paying attention to some very specific things, and we want you guys to start weighing in on those things. I think Rasham represents that, you know, hey, there, there's got to be some uh, better financial accountability 
um, to looking at the larger scheme of how we're spending money and where that's going to be, where we're going to put our resources, as opposed to chasing too many projects. So I think Rasham has that kind of uh, mindset. The other thing is, though, when you look at all the other candidates, you know, a civil and electrical engineer, a solar company and financial executive that's, you know, been all over the world, I mean, whatever, a general manager of a public radio, uh, you know, national public radio station for decades, and an Edward Morrow award winner. I mean, that's the most yes. prestigious honor. And, I mean, you can't dismiss that. And then you have a C-tech, you know, a C-suite tech ex- executive, you know, who's running. These careers come with formidable qualifications and experience, and that can translate True. into being able to run a multi-million dollar business, which the city and city council in Bainbridge Island, that, that's what they are. I mean, I get the feeling sometimes when I'm looking at some of these comments that we, we think we're Mayberry RFD and we forget the fact that there's tens of millions of dollars here that are being decided upon. This is a business. It's not just sitting around at a like a country lawyer type thing. That's not what this is anymore. And there are some demands um, that some of these council members have on their time on other boards and committees that are, you know, not only regional with like KRCC and KEDA and Housing Kitsap, but also with Puget Sound Regional Council and Association of Washington Cities and all of this stuff that, you know, goes way beyond just sitting here and, you know, us sitting in our rocking chairs on, on Bainbridge Island talking about, hey, you know, we're just folksy. I mean, I, I'm not saying that that's who she is. I'm just saying that our communities, I'm not, I'm not really not saying that this is Rasham. I'm just saying that there are people here in this community that seem to forget that it's not just about our issues and what's relevant for Bainbridge Island. We have responsibilities well beyond that. And I'm not saying that Rasham or a community member without this level of professional background of the other members shouldn't be able to run for office. In fact, perhaps, you know, having a farmer or someone with her experience brings really needed diversity beyond the whole female and of color thing, but, you know, practical skill set diversity and ways of looking at things and having a different outlook, I think those things are valuable. But I can also see where some of the people here that are concerned consider that quote-unquote lack of experience or at least comparatively lack of experience a drawback so that's one of the things that with Rasham I think that has been hurting her and I think that's why it's been translating into some very ugly you know what's your background where did you work who did you work for what did you do um, stuff that she's getting and then you know no excuse for the you know where's your background or where's your credentials from Berkeley she's repeatedly stated that she had those credentials so I'm not sure why anyone would doubt that and I certainly don't you know, appreciate the fact that even when she presents them, people you know, call her a liar and say it's a forgery. So that's just kind of the way that I think about um, Rasham versus you know looking at at Wayne. So that's my spiel. Anything else? So the, there, there's a lot of give and take there, and um, I guess you, I, I just wish people said and stuck to the issues rather than the attack. Like if they were to say, look, here are some of the issues that the city faces. What do you think about these different types of issues, including how city gets represented on some of these different organizations? You know, where do you see the role of Bainbridge Island? Where do you see your role in city council? Where do you see are the biggest, you know, it, it, focusing on that versus just saying, gee, I think you're unqualified and therefore, well, you know, your degree must be forged. I mean, that's just baloney. I think those kinds of things don't add to the public discourse. But I say asking questions that talk about policy issues and the, what you would bring to that table, that is relevant. So I just think people just don't do a good job of asking the right questions. So, 
That's what yeah, I Yeah, and I also think that you you everybody has the luxury right now, except for obviously Wayne, to to be very theoretical and philosophical about what they would or wouldn't do. They don't have to live with the repercussions the way that he has. Um, and it's, it's hindsight is always twenty twenty, and standing a little bit back and second guessing people is always easier. And it's easier to throw stones at a house than build than build one. So I mean, I think that some of that is you know I get a little you know weary of weary, not weary, weary. <laughs> Uh, people that talk about all the things that needed to be done and second guessing and what should be done and they're not they're they're operating in a vacuum they don't they don't have the information that these city council members have they're not dealing with all of those diverse um, and divergent interests that are contacting them whether it's you know the the contractors or whatever whether it's the the grantor or the granting organization whether it's all of these people that are emailing and calling them from both sides they get to see all of that and, and other people just get to get you know kind of a tunnel vision view of of that when when they're coming in and talking about all the things that they're going to do to change. So I guess what I'm getting at is when we hear those candidates that say, hey, I'm not going to make an immediate decision unless I get more information, and they get vilified by the voters, I think that you kind of have to take a few steps back and understand that being measured is necessary sometimes and not just you know coming in there and saying, hey, you have to be for or against this right away. So that's my thing. It, anyway. goes, it goes both ways, yes, that's for sure. Yeah. I agree. So, all right, I guess we're at the South Ward. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Uh, the gnashing of teeth again. Go ahead. This one, I mean, I commend you for, for getting in there and, 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 and being able to mix it up because I do not have the patience for some of the stuff that I have seen you dealing with. Some of these people are just incredibly, I mean, I don't mean to be mean, but just stupid. It's unbelievable how much attention and toxicity around um, the campaigns has, has been, including this one, especially this one, which I think in itself is very telling. So um, do you want to jump in and start with – pick somebody. I don't care if it's Matt or if it's Ted. Who do you want to start with? Well, let's just start with Ted. Um, All right. You know, interestingly enough, when I meet him in person and talk with him, he, he comes across and, I, and, he, and generally so uh, thoughtful – uh, takes an engineer's perspective, does consider issues, good qualities, and would make a good, con- good, valuable contributions on city council. Where I send, a, where I, where I always get, seem to get problems is, is it's really I don't even know if it's Joe sometimes, although sometimes it's you know, online written uh, responses, but it's I think it's around either campaign staff or certainly some of the supporters that he has out in the community which are what I think are behind some pretty kind of dirty kind of politics kind of stuff. Um, they try to portray everybody who's, a, who, who, like, for instance, I think there's a lot of people that were behind Island Power that when, Island, when that initiative was defeated at city council uh, decided that, you know, they were going to make uh, Ted their, their flag bearer and, uh, and, and continued the – they feel like they were being attacked, and yet I would watch them sit there and misrepresent people left and right, and me personally, and uh, would block you so that they could hide and then go off in communities and talk about you. And I'm like, this is really high school level, you know, juvenile delinquent kind of issues. And it's very disparaging, and it's very dispiriting. And um, on, the, on the flip side, I think some people uh, get very flippant um, responding to it, you know, saying, you know, no hell, no way in hell am I voting for somebody who is behind this kind of thing. And um, I'm sure that that's not cool either. 
but I don't think those I don't see these things as equivalents. I see some of them as really going to an extreme. And uh, so I think that's the thing. Uh, it's really not so much Ted as, as much as, as Ted's backers and supporters that I've had some issues with. So for me, Ted, <laughs> I don't want to go on and on. At some point in time, no, no. I'm just I'm just trying to make sure yeah. that you're clear so that I can you know kind of formulate my thoughts and start sharing them. Uh, Ted, for me, he's another bright engineer. Obviously, he's been involved in the community, uh, mostly in environmental issues or um, climate action or whatever. Um, we have many other issues in our community, so you want someone who's well-rounded, and I think he brings the leadership and other skill sets through project management and large-scale projects. I mean, that's beneficial. Uh, obviously, his IP connection or island power connection has scared many people into thinking he's a shadow candidate to revive all that. I, my feeling has always been that having one or two or even three um, island power-friendly people on the city council, it's, it's not, not necessarily a big deal. I mean, as long as the community continues to speak up and, and, and prevents that from gaining traction, you know, I'm not really in the camp where he has to be shot down at all costs. I've never been from that camp. So I think that we do need to acknowledge as a community that an alternative to dirty energy is a necessity and, and figure out how to get there. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, who wants to deal with it all over again, you know, the island power thing? But, like, I, my point is it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, it's, I don't think a majority is ever going to happen, so whatever. I mean, I think you need to hear people out and see how he measures up and let him win or lose on his own merits, to, to, you know, theoretically. Um, he has a decent presence on social media, sort of decent, uh, via, via his website in person and whatnot. He's not been as engaged as his opponent. I don't think any candidate can compete with that, frankly. But it's also become obvious um, over time that he's not much, is not as accessible and, and relies maybe too much on uh, his campaign advisors and his staff and volunteers. I think it was odd that he didn't respond to that, um, the, the newspaper, when they asked the questions. I don't know if it was a question of timing or if it was just um, – you know, not wanting to deal with that particular periodical or whatever it is, but I know we had a very, very, very difficult time getting him on the podcast. He was one of the last people based upon his schedule and his travel, and he had to barricade himself into his office just to take, you know, the call. And so I would think that with his retirement, he's going to have more time available. But um, if he's not retired and he's if he does win, he's going to really have a challenge in trying to make himself available. Um, but I also don't think that, you know, the people that are feeding him copy, some of it's inaccurate. I think he has a responsibility to make sure that whatever he's saying is accurate, and so that's kind of a thing that I've noticed about him. Um, someone had written, and even in the chat today, about his role in the military and defense sector, and, and I remember that you had written something up in a Facebook thread about that not being as talked about as we would expect, I mean, which illustrates how voters can alter their values to support a candidate. And so... Um, it was completely misread by Ted or his handlers or whoever responded in that in that thread, and you countered it brilliantly. But it's true um, that the military yeah. and the defense they're they're a top polluter, and and he's getting a pass from his supporters on that that they wouldn't obviously give to his opponent if he was in the same position. So, it, not a deal breaker for me because I have a, a history in Supervon and Circular and record litigation and legislation, and I know it's complicated. Um, but I would say at least. You know, to wrap all that up, at least he's helping the military to also be a part of the solution. But I just thought that that was an interesting thing to bring up because it, it cropped up not only in the thread with you, but in some of the comments that we received. Um, it's interesting. What else? The rock fours don't do nuance. In other words, um, yeah, they will look at somebody and say, you know what? Oh my God, you work for a polluter. Doesn't matter what you do. And yet, um, 
if, if Ted works in the Navy in environmental cleanup, the Navy's a huge polluter, and yet, oh, well, Ted, you're working in environmental cleanup, which is good. I mean, they right. pick and choose what they want to listen to, and I think that's disingenuous. And I yeah, I mean, if I was, was if point, I was in this position, I would say I, I would say yes. You know, I'm working in an industry. We've been very, you know, irresponsible in the way that we've been polluting. We have a lot of people that are in the military that have died as a result of some of our polluting ways. But at least we're trying to be a part of a solution. And here's how. I mean, that I would respect more than just con- trying to completely disregard, you know, the the cause, um, and 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 focus it, on it, you know what you're what you're doing. Here's so, a nuance, yeah. and here's a nuance I think most people would be lost on. If you want to fix pollution, go work for the biggest polluter and help them get clean. Absolutely. Right? In other words, you should really go to where the biggest problem is and start help, helping fix it. And yet, that's not the way people think. You know, if, 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 no. if Exxon was the horrible polluter and you wanted to go clean up Exxon's mess, people would look at you and say, oh, my God, you work for Exxon because they are a horrible polluter. You'd be like, yeah, but Exxon was the one where I could make the most impact on the environment by cleaning up their practices and things that have happened. And so there's, I think that kind of mindset would be lost on too many people. And I think that that was well, my point in what I was rising, rising there. And it says I can actually look at him and say, I think that's a great thing that he worked for the Navy to do environmental cleanup. And yet, you know, it, it's it's again, it's the the one-dimensionalism of the supporters that are throwing rocks at other people and yet ignoring other things just because they've decided to pick on something and think, oh, I'm going to make so-and-so look bad, but I'm going to ignore X, Y, and Z. And that's where certainly, uh, I don't appreciate be, the disingenuous arguments. Yeah. yeah, and it would yeah. certainly be good. It would certainly be a good thing if we could have honest conversations like that, where we can recognize that there the imperfections and still talk about the solutions. And just as you said, you know, kind of going into the mouth of the tiger and trying to make a difference goes back to the work that I do with government. I work with both sides. I work with Democrats. I work with Republicans. I work with independents. I work with socialists. I mean, it, and it's not because I agree with everything that they're doing. It's because that I, it's because I recognize that something has to change in our in our in our society and the only way that it's going to change is if you get in there and try to hear what people are saying and try to find somewhere those commonalities so that you can promote those and move this ball forward because it is just noxious and and I'm you know people what they see on social media or in the news I mean that's just the tip of the iceberg so I always find it interesting that somebody thinks I'm some kind of a traitor or wishy-washy or whatever because I'm not quote unquote picking a side but I have no apologies whatsoever about trying to go into the middle of of that and trying to make a difference. Um, the thing about Ted, back to Ted, um, I really like his approach to solving complex decisions because, and, and when he says things like it doesn't, you know, when he was campaigning, one of the comments he made was that um, that he did not want to come in with a fixed set of positions on big issues, and people kind of started taking stabs at him because of it. But I like that he was willing to be unpopular in that regard by not just telling voters what they wanted to hear about how he'll, he'll address these issues, particularly the unpopular ones like the pedestrian bridge or whatever. Um, I think that the time will come when he will have to make a decision, just like we said about Wayne. But I like that he understands that complex decisions are things that take time. So uh, the other thing is I think you brought this up. He is a genuinely nice guy. I loved talking to him on the podcast. And I read energy well. I mean, I know that's a little woo-woo for people, but he just has so much light and kindness flowing from him. And I see that in person, and I hear it in his voice. Um, and, and 
I don't understand why uh, in this community there are people that feel like of the six people that are out there, somebody has to be an ass. I don't get it. Um, there's nothing wrong with having really great people running for office, and you just decide based upon the pros and cons and where they stand that you're going to pick one. I don't understand why that's so hard. Um But I think the biggest tragedy in all of this, despite how bright he is and accomplished and nice, is that some of the company he keeps, it is tanking his his candidacy and his campaign because it reflects on him as a possible council member. Um, And it also speaks to who some of his potential influencers could be if he was elected. Some of his supporters are carryovers from the Island Power Initiative, and they are some of the nastiest, most toxic people in the election cycle that I have seen. and their advisors and campaign staff with him. I mean, it's not that they're just the the uh, occasional uh, supporter. They're actually in there advising him and leading the charge against attacking or misrepresenting people. And I think the unfortunate part is that he's been very silent when it comes to taking a leadership role there and the step up and especially in the threads where he's being tagged so he can see this stuff to tell those people to kick it up a few notches and not tank my campaign. I mean, let's you know, it's kind of like the Michelle Obama thing. It's like when they go low, we go high. Let's go high. Uh, instead, what he actually does is he defends them or he rationalizes their behavior, including, you know, somebody who's regularly attacking and trolling the groups and making really horrid misrepresentations about others and Ted's opponent. I mean, I, you cannot excuse some of this stuff. And, you know, some people on the other side, yeah, they give as good as they get, and I've said you know that as much. But his willingness to turn a completely blind eye to what's being done on behalf of his his campaign might have cost him the election, I think, because you know many of those people are initiating some of the attacks, and we've re- received dozens of messages about this subject. Um, we've seen him on social media. Uh, he's got some solid support from the Enviro crowd, but I wonder if. Uh, you know, this will be like the island power thing where the majority of voters appear to be, um, you know, supporting him because of that whole, you know, special interest group. But most of them just end up saying no thanks. Um, and one final thing I wanted to say is um, about this is we ended up having like a, a an offline conversation. I'm not going to go into all the details. And I don't know if it was actually him I was talking to in the end or someone from his campaign. But they made a comment about not wanting to, to be endorsed by me or this show because we had some fundamental differences in policy regarding the environment and energy and transportation and other issues. And I found that so revealing and interesting because we never had a conversation about that. And he wasn't aware of where I stood on those issues. So my assumption was that he or whoever was writing – had bought the misrepresentations that were blasted in Facebook by this toxic campaign advisor, um, which indicates to me very poor due diligence, number one, or selective due diligence, partisanship, and a willingness to be swayed by prejudices without checking the facts and not being a good listener. And none of those represent good leadership qualities to me. That was that was a very big red flag to me when I saw that, because he would be yeah. surprised – uh, at, at how similar we are in policies regarding environment and energy and all those other things. But he dismissed it out of hand because somebody, some handler, gave him some information from decades ago, and he just swallowed it. So um, that or, was kind or of the a, handler, Or the handler did it. Or the handler did uh, it the, without the, his input. Right. Which still goes yeah. back to somebody that should be um, a, a lot more front and center with their own campaign instead of letting somebody else with all of their prejudices and, and, and bigotries or whatever it is running the, you know, running the show. So that's kind of my yeah. overall yeah. thing about um, Ted. On the mat. I'll start with that. Okay, so he's obviously bright, very successful, 
uh, international savvy. He's an innovative thinker. Uh, he's a tech guy, which obviously, like the engineer thing, is going to resonate with me and probably you. Um, it shows up in some oh, of his yeah. campaign promises about how to be more transparent, you know, with, you know, having the issue, where did he vote and creating the tools for that. He hasn't been here a long time. I don't consider that a deal breaker, uh, though I do think that uh, there's some validity to being here long enough to understand how things get done or how things work here. Uh, but again, uh, sometimes you have to disrupt the system, and sometimes being on the outside is, is, is more advantageous. So I'm kind of, you know, in the middle on that issue. Uh, not being involved in the community in, in in the same way that some have been measuring it has obviously hurt him a little bit. Uh, I think that there are a lot of us who have uh, work that we, that involves a lot of travel. We travel a lot, or we're very busy, and we don't have the time necessarily to sign up for all of these, you know, different boards and committees and whatnot. And I'd rather somebody not sign up than sign up and not show up. Um, but I think that he has engaged where he's been available with respect to the schools and what his kids are doing, which is important. Um, brings up another point about somebody having young kids in the district and understanding, you know, the world that we are in, but also the world that we will be living in um, and being able to move towards that. Um, I like his energy and the way he's charged at, at this campaign. I think sometimes there's overkill there, and some people have started to complain that he was spamming. You kind of have to have to balance and know when to, when to write and when not to write and you know, whatever. But I understand why he's doing it. He's taken some really nasty blows from community members about his intentions and his background and his affiliations and his actions, you know, arms dealer and you know, Richie Rich in a big carpet house bagger. trying to, you know, yeah, carpet bag. I mean, just some really crappy stuff. Um, <laughs> Crazy stuff. And he's he, he's been prudent to ignore some of it and not engage, especially with, you know, the, the Barry Malone stuff. I mean, you just, there's no winning because he's just like a bot and he doesn't care and he benefits from misunderstanding people. So you just, you just cannot invest good time after that. But I also think it's been disappointing for me anyway to see him take some of those false charges to heart. And you can see that manifests itself in him distancing himself from people who weren't really doing anything wrong or what they were accused of, of doing, but he, you know, he's trying to protect himself so that he can get elected. And as a leader, I, you have to be willing to go through the fire and stand up for what's right and dance with the ones who brung you, you know, and don't let attacks push you into the shadows and, and have you, you know, turn into a campaign bot. You know, this is, it's a biggie for me because I'm a firewalker. It's like you've got to be able to, you know, get in there and, and selectively choose when to address something um, and when to stand up with people and, and not just say, okay, this person's been attacked so badly and they look bad, so I'm going to distance myself from them or I'm going to try to silence them. Um, I don't think that works for me. So anyway, uh, and then the last thing I guess I'll say is um, there are some factions who are always complaining about the city, no matter what. I mean, my God, they're so negative. Um, and he started to get into that mode of second guessing and and, and aligning with those people. I, I don't think that's productive. Um, I think it can come off as too slick or pretending to have all the answers. Um, I I think it's been impressive, though, to watch him reach out to people and meet with them and talk to them in order to understand the issues and how decisions get made, but also you know what the thinking is going forward. Those things weigh in his favor. Um, I don't know how feasible that type of energy and, and outreach will be if he's elected, so I think I would caution him to set up a realistic expectation. But I, I would say that uh, you know you, you kind of have to balance. The city doesn't – they're not all bad. They can't be. They're just not. And and I, I think the getting into attack mode against them and, and some of the people that are being characterized as anti-city, I think that some of that can rub off and, and, and be uh, deleterious. So you just kind of have to to not do it. 
I guess is where I'm coming from. So I don't really have anything else to add about Matt. What about you? Wow. Um, well, yeah. I think this is, <laughs> I, I, I really, uh, okay, so I, I agree with you certainly on the tech stuff. Um, Matt comes from a tech background as a tech CEO. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that I think that we have missed in some of our leadership is a really solid understanding of how much tech is changing the landscape. And for us economically and as a community to be prepared to go to where things are going as opposed to trying to follow the trends. Instead of following the trends, look at where they're going to be and then you know skate to where the puck's going to be and not follow it And exactly. in terms of tech. And I, think, and I think with Matt, of all the candidates, he's, he's probably the one who's most likely to speak with the voice that puts that in front of the council and says, look, this is a solution that has been kind of proposed before, but if we think differently, if we think about how things are changing, let's skate to where that puck's going to be. Matt's the one most likely to do that for us. I think he's also taken a very strong stance on uh, trying to be fiscally responsible, and I think that has been something that has driven uh, a lot of people on the island, like with these big-ticket items under consideration to say, look, taxes are going up. We're going to be hit with all these bond taxes as well. You know, let's start cutting back or let's start, you know, putting more into reserves instead of, you know, seeing how much we can spend. And then when the next downturn happens, we're going to be unprepared. We're going to walk right into that same problem we happened into in 2008. And I think Matt represents that. So I think for me, that's probably where uh, he's going to shine the most. And one of the reasons why I, I strongly support him. So, yeah, you haven't been – it's not like you've been hiding that. And somebody said that the fact that you supported him meant that you couldn't be neutral. And, and yet I, I don't even know you if you were trying to be so much neutral as you were trying to say the fact that we have people that we support doesn't mean that we can't still encourage um, responsible leadership and due diligence and, and becoming informed voters. I mean, you can and, still – there's nothing you can wrong. Still, you, can still compar- you can still compartmentalize that way. I mean, it doesn't mean that you yeah. haven't chosen somebody, but you can still – I, I, like I said, I, sometimes I don't understand how people think here. They just seem to be very, very absolutist in their thinking, and I just don't get it because you can't survive in the real world as a business person or a business owner thinking that way. So whatever. Um, you said that you know Matt is the one most likely to skate to where the puck is going. I would say that of all of the candidates, he's most likely to look ahead and determine where the puck could go, shoot it there, and then skate there as well. So that's a little different than skating the where it's going. It's a little bit more futuristic and visionary, um, and I think that he's at that scale. And it reminds me of a lot of my facilitations. We talk about the difference between management and leadership, and not that management is an ugly word or a bad thing, but there is a difference between people who have been entrenched inside of a system and they are managing something versus people that are leading and directing and innovating. And and even though he's not perfect, none of the candidates are uh, perfect, he strikes me as someone who has that quality. You know, he's someone that would be thinking outside of the box and really working to do things. And I think Joe's like that, too. I mean, Joe's an action man. So, um, and I think even Rasham might, might have that, that quality. So, it, you know, sometimes people are about managing systems within a certain uh, context, uh, and then there's a next level where they're willing to get outside of that context. And so I think there we have a few candidates that are able to do that and a few candidates that would be good managers, you know, I guess is what I'm getting at. So any other comments from you? Uh, 
Huh. Looking at um, some stuff. No, I think we've covered it. I think we've covered it. Plus, I think we've come to the end of your time. Well, almost. I mean, I think she ended up giving us another extra 15 minutes, and I'm glad she did because something that came through was the wrap-up questions from the Bainbridge Islanders for Responsible Leadership, or BIRL, and there's a whole drama about that that I'm not even going to touch. But um, there were some thought-provoking questions that came up today or yesterday in one of their posts um, about what people should be asking themselves when they're looking at their ballots. Uh, and trying to decide which candidate to vote for. Um, there's been some ugly stuff out there. There have been some civil complaints and financial issues and threats of PDC violations and other things that tend to come up at the last minute, and those things might well come up. Um, but it's not like it's uh, irrelevant, but instead, you know, try to shift the context and look at the bigger picture and ask yourself some questions. And I'm going to read those questions, and then we're going to sign off at that point, unless you have something to add to those questions. So regarding the um, candidates... So the questions, were they responsive to your questions? Were the answers thorough and well thought out, or were they canned campaign sound bites? Uh, were the candidates accessible, or was it difficult to reach them and you found yourself dealing with campaign staff or volunteers? Did they conduct their campaigns honorably and with civility and hold their supporters or campaign staff and volunteers responsible for doing the same? Um, were they silent in the face of some very unsavory antics or uh, racist or sexist or other behaviors, or did they rationalize those things? Um, did they seem genuinely interested in making a contribution to community, or did, did they come off as one-issue candidates with special interests to advance? I don't think anybody is like that. But anyway, uh, were they honest and straightforward about their experience and background, no matter how unflattering it might be? And I think that goes back to what we were talking about, the environmental stuff with, you know, that's just one example. But that's, I don't think that's why the question's there. Did they appear to have the courage of their convictions, willing to stand up and even take some heat for doing the right thing? Or did they duck and cover, hoping to avoid anything that could jeopardize their election chances? Did they exhibit broad or collaborative thinking on issues, or were their positions more partisan, myopic, or self-serving? Were they tone-deaf, behaving as if they knew all the answers, or were they open-minded and exhibiting a willingness to change their mind with new information? Were they or their supporters critical and negative or hopeful and positive? So basically take a good look at the voter guides and all the other information that's been made available to you over the past few months, podcasts, articles, websites, social media posts, um, in-person forums, filming that. And if you still have questions, keep asking. But make sure you make an informed decision regarding the best candidates to represent us as we move into 2018. And no matter what you do, don't sit it out. Make sure that you voice and vote and be heard. Enough said on that. <laughs> wow. Anything you want to add to it? Well, I think there's a lot there to consider. Um, and I, I think some, I, I, I think we are blessed to have um, – a good crop, a good crop of candidates this time, and maybe that's just because we're spending a lot more time paying attention to the process uh, as of more recently, or you know, me as in, or for me personally. Uh, um, but I also think we've got some incredible, incredible candidates. I also think we have a lot of major things on our docket for for Bainbridge Island, so it, it doesn't come at a better time uh, for us to, to, to be, to have good candidates who are thinking about the bigger issues for Bainbridge, uh, will, you know, demonstrate some financial restraint or responsibility. We'll look at the things very carefully and, you know, try to find those things that really, uh, do the best in terms of helping Bainbridge Island in the most efficient and thoughtful way possible. And of course, last but not least, 
um, my God, the commitment that's required by so many people to do this job is is incredible. Uh, it's not something that gets paid a lot, and it's an incredible amount of work. So for people of quality to step up and want to do the work, uh, even, more, even more is where I look at that and say, look, I don't want to attack people. I want to focus on policies and be very grateful of all the efforts people have done and have put in uh, to support the city moving forward. So that's it. Well, well, that's enough. I mean, it's, I, I echo that. I'm not going to spend too much time um, being redundant on that, but I would say that I also appreciate every single candidate that is running. They are all great people. They're all great candidates. They're all trying to do the right thing. Don't attack them. Ask them questions. Hold them accountable. But be nice, for crying out loud. Anyway. <laughs> all righty. Well, thank you, Johnny. Perfect timing. That's a wrap. I want to thank everyone for tuning in this afternoon. You can listen to this podcast on our website, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and on Facebook, STR8 Talk Radio. That's Sam Tommy Roger, the number eight in Talk Radio. I appreciate all who shared their thoughts this afternoon. This is Donya Keating. I'm signing off at about 2.03 Pacific Daylight Time on Wednesday, October 18th. See you next time.